Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What I don't want to miss as believers are the voices within the midst of the chaos who are crying out for hope and they're crying out for Jesus, but we just don't hear them because we're like, don't bother us, don't waste our time, don't distract us. We're here on a mission, and part of that mission is, is listening and hearing. And really, the, the latter part of this story is, I mean, this is what we're, we're called to do. Go to those people and bring them to Jesus as Christians. Do you realize that as a disciple of Jesus, you're on a mission? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he explains to you the importance of being open and receptive to those that are hurting around you. The world is filled with unsaved and broken people that are in need of Jesus. Pastor James encourages you that you're to be a light that shines for Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Share that light that you have within you. Share with others what the Lord has done in your life. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. I'm going to read from New Loon Translation. It says, uh, then they reached Jericho. They is Jesus and his disciples. And as uh, Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then Jesus heard him and stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he is calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want from me, Jesus asked. Bartimaeus replies, My rabbi, or Rabboni, the, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So this is a familiar story, I think. It, it's one that's shared in, in a couple of other places within the Gospels. Luke recounts this story. Matthew also tells this story as well, but he includes two. There's two blind guys, right? So, and Matthew has a way of doing that. There's, there's not just one demon-possessed guy in the, in, the, you know, who, in the tombs who came and rushed out to meet Jesus. There were actually two of them. But one was more vocal, so he's a spokesman. So if you're reading through the scriptures and you're like, wait, I thought there's two blind guys. There are, but one is probably more vocal. And so Mark focuses in specifically on this one guy, okay? So there's no like... Um, errors or anything like that. It's just a, it's a writing style that Mark embraces as he is hearing this story from the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter was Mark's mentor, and he was the one who kind of relayed a lot of these stories to Mark as he's writing this all out, all right? And what we like about the Gospel of Mark, if, if you haven't picked up on it as we've been going through this, just verse by verse, he's very descriptive, very descriptive, and he paints a beautiful picture out of every story that's told. And this is another beautiful picture 
that is painted, so to speak, by Mark through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and along with the Apostle Peter, who's kind of his discipler, recounting all these stories. But here's Jesus and his followers. We talked last week about how they were, um, they were on their way to Jerusalem. This is now approaching like the final week of Jesus's earthly ministry here on this planet. Uh, once they get into Jerusalem, you understand how that goes. He'll, he'll overturn some tables. Uh, actually, next week we'll be talking about the triumphal entry. He'll cleanse the, ta- the temple again. He'll share a bunch of parables and all this good stuff. But then there'll be the Passover dinner. And then he's betrayed and arrested and crucified. This is like days before that week is where we're at right now. He is, he is walking up to Jerusalem with his disciples. Last week we saw that There was a little bit of an argument on the road to Jerusalem. Uh, Two of his disciples, James and John, the sons of thunder, brought mama along with them. And kind of that was our nice little Mother's Day message of how they used mom to approach Jesus and ask for a place of prominence for them. Let my boy sit at one at your right hand and one at your left hand, okay? So Mark's gospel doesn't tell us that they had mom, you know, really be the one who kind of sparked this, this fire, so to speak. But that happened, and then the other disciples heard about this, and then they get mad at those two because they asked Jesus before they had a chance to ask for that. And it just showed the, just the state of the disciples' hearts. And all they were focused on were, was themselves. It was, they're just focused on themselves, very myopic in their outlook, meaning they're just singular focus, and that's not on Jesus, it was on them. And they're his disciples. They've been walking with him for three years now. Three, maybe even three and a half years. And it doesn't get better for the disciples, okay? And this should be encouragement for you and for myself. No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, there's still room to improve. There's still room to grow, right? Sometimes you get a little selfish. Yes, I know. Yes, I do. Um, Maybe I'll talk to myself. Um, Sometimes I get a little selfish. Actually, a lot of times I'm very selfish. And we miss it. And you can miss it the whole journey. And I pray, I pray that for all of us in this journey that Jesus has you on as you're walking with him, that you don't get to the end of it and you look back and you're like, man, I missed so much. Why? Because I was so focused on myself. I was so focused on me. The disciples are arguing about who gets like the place of prominence, you know, seated next to Jesus. And Jesus told him, he's like, that's not up, for me. That's not up to me. That's up to the Father. Right? So why are you even worried about that? We're not, we don't, we're not here for that right now. There will be places and all that good stuff, but that's not our business. And that's not your business, and that's not my business. And who's more important than all that stuff? Who cares? Right? Within the kingdom of God, the, 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 basically the base at the cross is level. The ground at the cross is level. And that's where we all stand. That's where we all stand. And I say all that because we come to this story about these two blind guys, and really specifically just this one, and not only are the disciples going to miss an opportunity, but the crowd misses an opportunity to show compassion, to show mercy. And there's a good warning in here for us, but I think there's also a good encouragement in here with, uh, within the story as well. So verse 46, it says, then they, re- they reach Jericho. Now, in your brains, you might be thinking, like, I know my Old Testament, reading through the Bible in a year and all that good stuff, Jericho was destroyed. Yes, it was. And it wasn't really rebuilt. This is, a new, this is new Jericho, okay? You got old Jericho, you got new Jericho. And they're kind of right by each other. But this is the Jericho that Herod had rebuilt, kind of like a little summer home place, right? It's a place of uh, tons of palm trees. 
It's very fragrant. When you're walking into the city, I mean, you can just smell the palms, and it just smells people from all around. That was one thing that they attributed to this new Jericho, was it just smelled so fragrant. It was a great place. Old Jericho, destroyed, leveled, right? And so what this talks about, because there's some, uh, a little bit of, uh, in the structure of the literary here, it's, it's kind of strange because they like leave Jericho and then they enter Jericho, and sometimes that can be confusing. But I'm just framing this out for you so that you know, they probably are leaving old Jericho and coming into new Jericho, okay? Because if you read the other Gospels, there's another person in this story named Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man. You remember that song from Sunday school? If you went, um, I didn't. But he's a little guy, climbed up a tree, sycamore tree, I guess, also that he could see over the crowd to get, a, get Jesus's attention and he, just to see him. He lives in Jericho, but he lives in new Jericho. He's a wealthy man. Right, so this all happens in this region. So they go, they reach Jericho, they're cruising up to Jerusalem. It says, and Jesus and his disciples left town. So you're like, okay, so they, they reach Jericho, then they leave town, but this story happens in Jericho. Old Jericho, new Jericho, right? A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, or Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. What you'll, uh, what you'll find is, at, well, if you've ever traveled um, anywhere, especially in Jerusalem, I mean, this is still kind of a scene. And they, you got guys seated all up and down the roads as you're coming into the city and leaving the city. And here's Bartimaeus, whose name technically means son of Timaeus. It's him and it's his buddy, and this is just what they do, okay? They're just, he's blind, he can't see, so he can't see, so he can't work. So he, he's dependent upon others, the generosity of others, which is totally fine. Um, in Israel, they made a place for that. And there he is. But little did blind Bartimaeus know Jesus was showing up. Now, he's heard of this Jesus of Nazareth. He's heard the stories. He's heard of his fame. He's heard of the fact that he's done wonders. He's done miracles all throughout. I mean, there have already been stories of blind receiving their sight before this, this story even happens. Mute being able to speak, the lame being able to walk. He's already heard all these stories. And so as he's sitting there doing what he does day in and day out, he hears, and we know this, blind, your other senses tend to be heightened, right? So he can hear really well. He can hear really well. He hears other people talking about Jesus and that he's about to pass through town. So now he has, he has this, you know, Really, Jesus has Bartimaeus' attention just by the fact that other people are talking about him. So he's sitting beside the road. He hears that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. And so as the crowd's getting bigger and people are talking and all that good stuff, Bartimaeus begins to shout out. He begins to shout out. And he says, Jesus, son of David. First time this phrase is used in the Gospel of Mark. This is a messianic kind of title that he is prescribing to Jesus. First time in the Gospel of Mark, blind man crying out, Jesus, son of David. And then what he follows that up with is, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And so if you're just like, stop there, then you're like, that's a beautiful thing. That's, that seems like a beautiful little interaction, right? Like, I mean, you can envision this. I always tell you guys, when you're reading through the Bible and and you take time to study through it, you have to put yourself there. 
Put yourself on that dirt road, walking through, walking through Jericho, walking through New Jericho, right? And you're approaching the city, and you're, there's a crowd, and there's just a ton of, ton of energy, because Passover is about to happen. So millions of people go to Jerusalem for Passover, and you already got Jesus with his followers, but then there's a crowd that begins to you know, gather as well, and they're all headed to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, because that's what you do. And as you're walking through those streets, maybe right there next to Jesus, maybe you can hear, hear somebody crying out, Jesus, son of David, which you would know that. You, that would catch your ear if you're a Jew in Jerusalem or in Israel. You would, immediately, you would immediately recognize that because that's a messianic thing. You don't, nobody's called so-and-so son of David, right? They saved that for the Messiah, so this blind man who is sitting on the roadside there begins to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Please give to me, well, this, there's a grace and mercy kind of thing here, but it's a, it's a thing of like, please bestow unto me the thing that I don't deserve, but withhold from me the thing that I do deserve as well. It's this beautiful little kind of back and forth there. But he's crying out for mercy. Jesus, notice me. Jesus, rescue me. And then the people, the people, who are the people? It says many of the people in the New Living Translation. Yours may say the crowd. Who's the crowd? We don't know. Is it the disciples? Could be part of it. We know it's probably a lot of people who are around Jesus. So it could be some of his very followers begin to yell at this guy, the blind guy. As they're walking down the road with Jesus, they begin to yell at the blind guy, telling him, zip it, shut up. That's literally what they're saying to a blind guy crying out to Jesus. They're like, hey, somebody make that guy be quiet. And here's the warning. Here's the warning for us believers walking side by side with Jesus. Sometimes people are crying out for Jesus and we just want them to shut up. But we don't recognize that they're crying out for Jesus. We just want them to, it's too much noise. It's too much noise. We just want them to be quiet. We just want, you, want them to be quiet. This is a poor guy who's in desperate need of Jesus, who he recognizes as the Messiah. And, and a lot of those who are encircling Jesus themselves are the ones saying, stop talking. Be quiet. Be quiet. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing for the witness of the church at times when we're telling the world, sometimes people within the world who are desperately crying out for Jesus, whom we may not recognize that, but they're desperately crying out for Jesus when the church is telling them to be quiet. There's a good lesson to be learned here from us churchgoers. What I wrote in my Bible in my little margins here is, give me ears to hear. Lord, give me your ears to hear. Because there is somebody who hears this blind guy crying out to him. Jesus does. And Jesus never tells this guy to be quiet. What Jesus hears from this guy is a cry of desperation, a cry of acknowledgement, a cry from one man who is like, you're my only hope. If I have any hope in this world at all, it's you, and it's only you. And here's this guy who's like, he's heard of the goodness of Jesus. I mean, he's lived. We don't know how he became blind. We don't know if he was born blind or maybe something happened within his life. And those details don't matter all that much. What we know is he is blind. 
And he has to depend upon other people his entire life. But he hears these stories. He starts hearing this story about this guy named Jesus who came from Nazareth, and he's doing these crazy miraculous things that only the Messiah could do. And it takes a blind man who can't see to recognize he's the Messiah, while people who can see totally miss it their whole lives. They witness the miracles. There is one guy named Judas who was side by side with Jesus the whole way, saw every single miracle, every single miracle, never saw him as the Messiah. He was completely blind. And yet this blind guy totally recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. And the crowd is telling that guy to be quiet. We, we need to be cautious. And, and what I wrote down for myself in my little prayer from, you know, to the Lord, as I, I write my Bibles all the time, Lord, give me your ears to hear. Lord, give me, give me your eyes to see. Give me your ears to hear. Because I don't want to just go through this life. And, and you know, the world is loud. And, and we know that there's a lot of chaos within this world. But what I don't want to miss as believers are the voices within the midst of the chaos who are crying out for hope. And they're crying out for Jesus. But we just don't hear them because we're like, don't bother us. Don't waste our time. Don't distract us. We're here on a mission. And part of that mission is, is listening and hearing. And really, the, the latter part of the story is, I mean, this is what we're, we're called to do. Go to those people and bring them to Jesus as Christians. Don't ignore them. Don't, don't shrug them off. Don't. If you hear a lot of noise, people crying out, people are angry in this world. People are hurt within this world as well. And we want to hear them. Because maybe those cries of hurt and all that stuff are really cries for hope. Lord, help me to hear that. Help me to hear that. I mean, if it was up to this crowd, they would have kept on moving. They would have never stopped for this guy. They would have never stopped for him. He's a distraction. He's a delay. He's an interruption. I got a plan. I know we're supposed to get to Jerusalem. It's Passover's coming. We, have to, we don't have time for these delays. So if it was up to the crowd, they'd just keep on moving. And sometimes if it's up to us, we just keep on moving. And we, don't, we never stop. But I praise, I mean, I, I praise God that Jesus, he, he hears them and he stops. This is not a delay for Jesus. This is not an interruption for Jesus. There are never any interruptions for Jesus when he was here fulfilling his earthly ministry on this planet. He knows he's going to Jerusalem. He knows he's the one who's going to die on the cross. And what others would see him as a distraction or a disruption or, or whatever, Jesus is like, no, this is a divine appointment. This is a divine appointment. We have time for the blind guy. We'll also have time for the really rich guy who climbs up a tree just so he can see me. And we'll go hang out at his house. We have time for these people. What's going to happen and what needs to happen will happen. I would invite you to welcome in the disruptions. They're annoying at times, let's be honest, right? If you, you're like, if you're like I, I, I'm sorry, I got to do these things. But sometimes people just show up. And I would encourage you to maybe to embrace what could be a divine appointment. And it may not be, incon- it may not be convenient, Guess what? Most of life is inconvenient. That's just how it is. 
right? So here's blind, poor blind, blind Bartimaeus. He's just like, he's my only hope. And now all his people are yelling at me to be quiet. Uh, but he, what does he do? Yells louder. Just turn it up, right? Bar, blind Bartimaeus is like, I don't care what you guys are saying. Oh, you're telling me to be quiet? Oh, that's my cue to speak up. That's my cue. That's just the rebel in blind Bartimaeus. This is why I like this guy. Um, oh, you tell me to be quiet. Oh, I'm just going to talk louder. Uh, and that's what he does. They say be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. He was focused. He knew what he needed. He knew what he wanted from Jesus. And even with the people yelling at him to be quiet, he's like, no, I'm just going to turn it up to, up to 10. I'm going to make sure he hears my voice. I'm going to make sure he hears me. That's the only one who can help me. He's the only one who can help me. And if all the people that are walking around him and following him are telling me to be quiet, I'm just going to shout louder. I'm just going to shout louder. Verse 49 says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. Like he's walking. And Jesus, he's not like ignorant to what's going on either, right? So he's walking in the crowd, you know, you, you're going to notice if a crowd of people surrounding you are yelling at one poor blind guy, right? Jesus hears them and says, tell him to come here. Jesus just stops. He stops the parade. He says, go tell that guy to come here. Hey, you guys that are yelling at him, how about you go get him and you lead him to me? Because he's blind and he needs somebody to help him get to me. How about you guys quit yelling at all these people and go extend a hand of help to them and bring them to me? How about we do that? I love this. Like the, the imagery here is just so powerful and just so clear. And that's why I like the Gospel of Mark. He's just so like, I mean, he paints a beautiful picture. But you can see that Jesus just stops and everybody probably just bumps into him, right? Because they're so focused on like, no, we got somewhere to be. And Jesus is like, no, we'll get there when we get there. I'm not worried about that. We need to take care of this guy. This guy needs my help. I love that because I know that there was a time in my life where most of what was coming out of my mouth was chaos and confusion and, and just desperation and all that good stuff. I was just looking for hope. I was looking for peace. I was looking for, you know, a reason to be, well, like, why am I even here? What, what does all of this even mean? And I'm crying out, and I may not have been crying out specifically for Jesus, but, I was, but he knew what I was crying out for. And I praise God that on that day, Jesus stopped, so to speak, and he showed up in my life. And he said, hey, come on. What do you need? What do you need? And isn't that a beautiful thing where he shows up in your life and he just stops and he says, what do you need? What are you asking for? It's not because he doesn't know, but sometimes he asks these questions to draw out from ourselves, of like giving you the opportunity, like, uh, Jesus, I, just, I need peace, man. I have no peace. I, I need joy. I need, some, I need a reason for living in this chaotic world. And he says, I'll be your reason for living. I'll be your peace that surpasses all understanding. I'll be your hope. I'll be everything you need me to be. Let's go. It's beautiful when Jesus does that for us. Oh, 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' life while he was here on the earth. Mark offers unique perspectives on this time, emphasizing Jesus' servanthood to the people that he met. Jesus loved practically, often, and with everyone. What a kind and humble servant we get to serve. If you need to hear this message again or you'd like to catch up on previous teachings, visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab and feel free to explore the variety of verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter Bible teachings. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. And if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you come visit us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our Thursday night Bible study starts at 7 p.m., and you're welcome to come join us for both. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, visit our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. You can get directions there as well. We're excited to meet you and spend some time worshiping with you. That's all the time that we have for today, but we're so glad that you listened in to hear from God's Word. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Mark and to gear up for what's ahead in this New Testament book. There's so much to learn, so much to know about Jesus. So make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.